Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today I have a very special guest and friend on the show today, Dave Thackeray. He is the founder of the podcast guy that you might have heard of. And he's also a coach and consultant on many levels about doing business via the internet. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the show. Angela, it's an honor to be called your friend, and I'm so excited to be talking to you today. It's great to be back. Good to speak to you. So I wanted to talk about the podcast guy and all that you're doing there. And we have several questions that um, I put some feelers out for about podcasting, about what it is and what it isn't, and some interesting questions about what people can do with podcasting. But before we talk about that, as you know, on Your Story Matters, we like to talk about the background story, about who Dave Thackeray is, how you got to this point, and what sort of evolved over time for you to be doing what you're doing now, which is obviously living out your life passion. Well, I've got to tell you, my life history is something that is so, go to say, basic compared to some of the guests that you've already had on your show. The guy Mike from Project Run America, who began a four and a half thousand mile journey across the country. I mean, these these guys are, are incredible heroes mm -hmm. of mine. And so, yeah, I feel quite humbled to be here, Angela. You know that. So basically, the story of me is in my adult life, I was a journalist. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of stuff where kind of the brutal end of journalism. So an awful lot of stuff with the uh, exclusives, reporting all the big stories and finding out what was making the country tick. And basically telling people's stories for them. That's the order of the day, as you know, when mm -hmm. you're a reporter out there working for some of the bigger newspapers. That kind of got me into travel journalism, so I, I discovered a lot of the world then. I was very lucky. I kind of feel like I've been blessed with all of the kind of career choices that I've made to date. Mm -hmm. and, um, then ultimately, I decided to emigrate to Australia because of that aforementioned weather, the climatic patterns over here in the UK, Angela, don't necessarily. And so the opportunity came up to go and live in Australia, mm. which I did for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of interesting, let's put it that way. But it gave me a, a different perspective on life, came back to the UK and then started trying to figure out and scrabble around as to where this journey of life would take me next. And mm -hmm. for several months, I was kind of in this great abyss where I wasn't exactly sure where to go. I didn't really get the right career advice and mm -hmm. talked to a lot of people. And anybody who's a freelance and who started life as a wannabe entrepreneur will know there are hundreds of hurdles to overcome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Find, you know, exactly, this is it. And sometimes they're very difficult to surmount and sometimes you can get over them with a bit of forethought and a bit of rationale applied. But ultimately, it took me a long time to figure out the road ahead. And mm -hmm. I done some broadcasting back in the day when I was a journalist. I'd helped out with some radio stations. And so mm -hmm. I had a little bit of that to lean back on. And then a client of mine told me that they wanted to try and reach out to people in a different way. Mm -hmm. And we'd already done the internet websites to death. And we realized at that point that there were hundreds of blogs telling the same stories and people right. were getting kind of jaded by that. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of was interested on the periphery with what podcasting could do. And I suggested to them that we could maybe start a podcast and that it would be a good idea to try and reach out to their viewers and readers in a different way. And so that's basically how I started becoming a professional podcaster. But it was quite frustrating because it's very difficult to tell somebody else's story for them. And it almost feels a little bit 
dehumanizing when you're kind of, they're kind of living vicariously through you and mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have the same passion and share the same opinions and insights as mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. and what podcasting very clearly made clear to me was that this was a way that other people could tell their own stories and you know the way the world is now everybody is a publisher everybody creates content exactly so the, the logical right. next step your story matters is such a fantastic example of what can be achieved with a burning passion to tell stories, to share the stories of others, but let them tell them. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Thus- I want to go back a little bit further because, you know, we just don't wake up and decide to become journalists. And I really think that journalists are really special people because they're able to put themselves out there and get the story and find the meaning in all this mesh of communication, if you will. What is it that you think during your childhood even, something prior to when you started out, kind of stirred up that desire in you to go out and find stories, to to talk to people, to learn about people and situations, and then to turn around and share them? Well, there were two things really that were defining signposts in my life, I guess, that would kind of take me forward into that that career. The first one was, I remember when I was at primary school, I was about eight years old. I would go around the class when we had English tests. We used to call them comprehension tests and people would have to answer questions on an essay. And I'd be going around helping the teacher figuring out where all the spelling mistakes were. Now, Mm. I've been a natural born pedant. I, I can't stand, I have to, whenever I go around, and it's been the same ever since. One of my favorite books is by Lynn Truss, and it's called Eats, Shoots, and Leaves. And she is the world's biggest grammatical pedant. And I kind of almost grew into her. I'm like a male embodiment of every time I see a sign out there on the sidewalk that says pizzas with an apostrophe before the S, I'm aghast. I have to tell somebody. <laughs> I have to take a picture and put it on Facebook. And that was kind of one of the guiding factors that uh-huh. took this world of a cranky reporter. But the second one was I was always very, very keen on helping the family put together scrapbooks of pictures and stories. And it wasn't very trendy Mm -hmm. for a boy of nine or 10 to be hanging out with his parents, putting together scrapbooks. I'm just glad I didn't get into quilt work because that might have been (laughs) the end of my life. Scrapbooks was probably the logical extent of where I was going to be. And and I kind of felt at that point, this is so much fun. It's like you're taking bits of history, you're putting them together. And you're actually creating something memorable for other people to look back on, to treasure and to find value in. And you know, it was pure chance that actually got me a foot on the ladder in journalism. But, you know, how I actually came to that, how I developed this passion to be a journalist, I think was kind of founded in those two very early moments of mm-hmm. insanity that mm-hmm. have stayed with me ever since, Andrew. That's awesome. But I think there must be something to your parents kind of nurturing that and allowing that part of you because kind of like you said, and that's the same here in the U.S., it's not like most young boys sit around and do scrapbooking and talk about stories and even think about, you know, spelling and grammar and things like that. And so I think that's awesome that you were in that environment where you were actually encouraged to just do what was natural for you. I think the problem was that I was an only child. And ah. it was either talk to myself, talk to other people, or just bring stories together that would amuse me and hopefully amuse people around me. I don't know to this day whether they're amused or bewildered, but it's certainly, 
helped calm the waters of my mind at those times. And yeah, it was it was a very interesting childhood. It was something that, you know, my parents were very, very supportive. Mm -hmm. um, as my mother and my stepfather who brought me up and uh, my mother was, was, was great and my, my stepfather was very, very supportive. But it must have been difficult at those times because, as you know, when kids are in a slightly imbalanced family home where they're not really sure exactly where they come from, the ancestry and so forth, you do have a tendency to rebel and that does impact on the parents. So, uh, mm. you know, I love them more for that today, I think, because mm -hmm. of what they had to put up with. That's awesome. I always love to hear stories like that and always good reminders to all of our, us parents out there to be patient and loving and encouraging despite <laughs> whatever we're dealing with. <laughs> And I love what you mentioned about going through struggles of being an entrepreneur, of having to, you know, overcome barriers and challenges. I'd love for you to share with the listeners what are some of the most difficult challenges you've had on this journey so far and how did you deal with them? Three things, and I'll list them now so I remember them later because they are relatively spontaneous. One is to believe in yourself. Number two is to make sure that you don't take on more than your skills allow. Mm -hmm. And number three is don't get caught up in the melee of your mind and get out, do yoga, rest often, get inspiration away from the computer. Now, going back to the first one, what I'm talking about here is it's very, very challenging in an entrepreneurial environment to want to excel and strive and be the best at everything that you do. But the fundamental error that we all make is that we just indulge in the wrong things just to be better. Mm. And the problem that I had was that I was kind of uh, grasping. We, we go through a phase, I believe, in our entrepreneurial existence where we constantly try to evolve too quickly. We constantly mm -hmm. try to run instead of walk. Yes. And when you're new to the game, you have this impulsive energy to be the best at stuff. And it's always about taking things at paces rather than at sprints. It's something that blighted me for quite some time. And I think that is born, Angela, in insecurity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I really think we have a problem sometimes where we want to show people that we're better than we are and we don't have enough faith in the skills that we have. And this is something that I found time and time and time again and I just couldn't get it. And we talked about the hurdles earlier. I couldn't get over that brick wall and I didn't know why. I was doing all this stuff I wasn't necessarily earning a lot of money because I wasn't carving out a niche. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I was doing stuff and I was there thinking, well, why is this not taking me to the next level? Why am I not getting record? Why am I not becoming an expert on this? Why are people not coming to me for it? It's because I didn't know what I was doing myself. And right. people started pointing that out to me and I realized that that was a really big mm -hmm. issue for me. And I, I knew from that point on that something had to change to constantly strive to be better. And if you have the passion for it, you will achieve it. That's but right. meantime breaks are more valuable than any other part of your career taking a break lets you find more energy it lets you find growth and renewal mm -hmm. and i did mention three things but the two out of those let's shortlist them casually here that those two that i wanted to shortlist were just make sure that you respect your body mm -hmm. and you respect your skills and you give yourself the credit that you deserve right and the rest will win out but of course easier said than done and it took me kind of almost 18 months to get all that rubbish out of my system mm -hmm. to finally find a focus. And that's obviously where things took me today. So, uh, yeah, the relief is now kicking in. <laughs> I love that. All great points. And I totally agree. And I've been there myself. You know, having been an entrepreneur, it's often a lonely road. And I think 
as you said, we want to do so much because it's not like having a typical job. We don't necessarily get a regular paycheck. We might not get a bonus. We don't get an evaluation. So we're floundering in a sense and trying to figure out, are we doing enough? Are we doing the right thing? And I too had to find my place of balance. So very good tips for the listeners. I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs that follow the show, especially Encouraging Entrepreneurs, which airs on Tuesdays. One more thing to throw in there as well. Last year, I won a place on the Social Media Success Summit, which is run by Social Media Examiner. And as part of that, as payback, because I was so delighted to get a free ticket, I decided that I would in some way bring people together after the summit so that they could take away some of their findings and share with other people what they've learned. And I created a series of totally free mastermind groups where we'd have units of six people who had totally different businesses but were united by one common passion and that was social media Mm -hmm. and mastermind groups are something that Benjamin Franklin used them back in the day called them junters which were connections and Napoleon Hill used them and it basically Mm. is the power of the collective mind Mm -hmm. and this is one of the very most important things that happened to me on my entrepreneurial journey so far Angela was actually having a place where you can talk freely, you're accountable to people, Mm. to change the way you do things, to get a different perspective, to basically get business life support Mm -hmm. from other people going through the same challenges. You can mastermind groups or success teams, as, as they're often known. I would say are in a set. They almost need to be government mandated. I think they're so important that every business owner should have one. They're that good, and I'd recommend everybody to try and find one for them. I agree. I love that suggestion also, and I too have a couple groups that I'm connected with. That same thing, a place where you can feel like you can be vulnerable, where you can have a sense of trust, mutual trust and respect, and just share what's going on, get ideas, bounce you know thoughts off of each other. So let's talk a little bit about the podcast guy. Like I said, I have some questions for you, but the first one I want to ask in case someone out there doesn't really understand yet, what the heck is a podcast? Pretty good question. Good place to start, I'd imagine. Podcasts fundamentally are audio or video shows that you can subscribe to that are available as part of a feed. And when I say a feed, I'm talking about RSS feeds, and I don't want to get into the technical side of things, but basically it just means that you're creating content that is available when the listener or the viewer wants to see it. And the trick about podcasts is that instead of these people having to go to your website to find the latest content, it's delivered directly to their directory. I'm talking about things like iTunes, for example, which is what we would call a podcatcher, which basically subscribes to feeds for that viewer or reader. And then when you go back, we'll display or we'll sync with your iPod if you want to use an app. Fundamentally, it just makes the process easier for that listener or viewer to get the very latest content from their favorite producers to listen or watch when they want to. So Mm -hmm. it totally changes the whole concept of media. It's less about pushing stuff out when the broadcaster or the producer wants you to see it. And it puts the control firmly in the hands of the listener or the viewer to actually decide when they want to consume it. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I think that's so necessary these days with people busy and on different time zones. But I've got to say, equal to that, you know, we talk about thousands of podcasts out there. If we look at how many blogs there are out there, and we're talking blogpulse.com told me that there are 165 million 
active blogs today. Mm. You can understand why people are looking for different ways to tell their stories because right. otherwise, there's right. all this noise out there, isn't there? And that's, that's the fun part of podcasting It's doing things differently. Great. So I think we've got a good foundation. Everybody should know now what podcasting is. And here's some questions. We actually got some questions from some coaches. One is Kaya Singer, who's a great coach in the Portland, Oregon area. And her questions were, one, what makes a great podcast? And two, what are the common mistakes that people are making when they're creating their podcast? Great stuff. That's a fabulous set of questions. And the first thing to know is, and we're talking about what makes a great podcast. There are two Ps involved in any successful podcast, audio or video. And I'll treat this predominantly in an audio context for now because I believe they are easier to start and easier to gain momentum with and easier to get a, an audience for. First of all, it's personality mm -hmm. because people want to feel you, what you're talking about. They don't want to read pixels on a page. They want to listen to the person themselves, the creator of that content. So when I talk about personality, I don't mean you have to be the next Adam Carolla or somebody who is fantastically funny. What I mean is that you have to be you. Mm -hmm. It's your voice. Mm -hmm. You have to use it. Don't be afraid. It's only a microphone. You know, Angela, you make this look so easy, but, you know, I understand there are some hitches and some kind of nerves about putting yourself out there in any other way but writing. But So personality is first. Secondly, I would say passion is very, very important. Mm. And we talked earlier, didn't we, about when I started off a couple of podcasts for a client of mine. Mm -hmm. And while it still continues today and it's very popular, I say very popular, we have about 300 subscribers, so it's not big league, but you know, for what the audience is, and it's a very niche area, we're very happy with that because we have managed to engage an audience that previously was quite difficult to touch. So mm -hmm. that's quite a success from that point of view. But passion is possibly the most important part of any podcast because if you have a drive, a determination and the tenacity mm -hmm. to get the most out of a subject, a theme or whether you're passionate about a charity or there's an organization you represent that you really believe in, then by virtue of you being there and you being able to express yourself and using that voice we talked about, this is the very beginning of creating a compelling and highly engaging podcast. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that that's part of what you were talking about, too, is that when we spread ourselves too thin and we're doing all these things, we're usually not doing enough that really speaks to our true purpose and passion. And so here, too, when you hone in on that passion, it will speak out via the waves of podcasting and audio and video. And that's why Your Story Matters is such a success, because it's not just about the interviewees and your guests. It's all about the passion that you have for the subject and for the theory behind your show. And that's what makes it such a subscribable and an engaging show, Angela. And that's, Thank you. You, know, you are indicative of a successful podcaster and podcast. The third thing that you bring in spades and something that every good podcaster also brings to the table is value. Mm. Now, the value from a podcast, I believe, not only comes from creating the content, but it also comes from curating the content that's out there mm -hmm. and creating a context for it. So if you're passionate about a theme, and this is a problem for a lot of people, when they talk about podcasts, they go, well, I haven't got ideas, I haven't got enough themes to talk about within this subject. 
Well, the most important thing is there is a myriad of opportunities to glean from content that's already out there on the web, to debate it, to oppose it, to bring in other people on your podcast, like we're talking right now mm-hmm. and you're talking about varying things and themes. Mm-hmm. And so the value is all about bringing to your listener things that they would either have to make an effort to get themselves or to prove to them mm-hmm. that because you know and love your subject, you are an expert and therefore the content you're giving them is not only rich, it's absolutely relevant. And that's why ultimately your listeners will relish the podcast that you put together. And I know that's a very long answer that covers three separate issues about great podcasts, but that's kind of the first, I guess, answer of two answers to to your coach's question. Good. Uh, I love it. I love it. And the next one was what her second question, what common mistakes are usually made when people are creating podcasts? And I'm sure we could all wrap them back to what you just said, what makes a great (laughs) podcast. But if you just think of, you know, right off the bat, what are some things that are just glaring that, you know, say, wow, you should not be doing a podcast or you should get some coaching? Well, there are, again, there are are two things here. And planning and preparation is one. And losing track of time Mm. is the other. And one thing that I quickly learned and something that is so obvious at yourstorymatters.net when I go looking through your shows is that you do an incredible, an insane amount of research. You go out to your listeners, you ask them questions, you find out what the pulse on the street is Mm -hmm. towards this topic or this latest show or research and planning take up the vast majority of time for me whenever I'm putting together shows because Mm -hmm. I know I value more than anything the time of the listener and I always say we're almost caretaking podcasts for the listener. Mm-hmm. We're here to tell people what the listener wants to know. Mm-hmm. So planning and preparation are essential. Well, our last question before we wrap up today's show, and it, as you said, I could talk with you for hours, and I'm sure the listeners could listen in on all the amazing things you have to share, but we will have to wait for the book. I think you'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, Angela Armstrong, another coach from New York, New York, asked, what is the best podcasting program for beginners to use? Angela, thank you for that question. And that's a, it's a great poser. And it, it would depend entirely on the kind of podcast you want to create. Now, if you want to create a kind of talking heads monologue where you are expressing your thoughts on a subject, I mentioned before the Audioboo or SoundCloud platforms. Now, audioboo.fm will literally give you a very simple interface that you could use on your phone if you've got an iPhone or an Android device. You can literally download that from the iTunes Store or the Marketplace for Android. Mm-hmm. Hit the record button and record up to five minutes unless you want to pay for a version because let's not forget, these are free services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got SoundCloud.com as well offers a similar service for podcasters. It's in a beta mode at the moment, but it will be coming out into the public very, very soon. So those are two options for you. Now, if you want to try something else that gives you a little bit more flexibility and adds the opportunity for you to bring in callers, we talked before, and I say this with a little bit of hesitation because the audio quality, which I think is very important, isn't up to what I would consider acceptable, Mm -hmm. but it will let you practice before you dive into that big, wide aqua of opportunity for podcasting. You can use something like TalkShoe, 
or blog talk radio. And what that will do is effectively allow you to do a conference call so you can bring in people to talk about and talk with as well. And this, both of these tools, talkshoe.com and blogtalkradio.com, will actually give you a free service and they obviously also offer premium services because they've got to earn some money out of it. But those are those two kind of ways. But, you know, as you will know, and when I started off doing this where I kind of wanted to start getting a little bit crazy and adding different equipment into the equation, it doesn't take much more than a microphone and Skype and Audacity, which is a free audio editing package mm-hmm. for the PC or garage band, or I believe you Americans call it garage band. <laughs> yeah. You can use all these things to record audio on your computer and then you can start putting in fancy effects and adding intros and outros and bits of music and sound effects and really starting to play with it, having a lot of fun. Right. And your listeners will too. So there are many, many ways to do it, but I'm glad to say, you know, I, the podcast guy, I'm very happy to offer suggestions and advice completely free mm-hmm. to kind of get people on the way because I just want people to start telling their stories, you know. This is the name of the game, to do incredible things and hopefully one day emulate the incredible work of people like yourself with yourstorymatters.net and really sort of getting some fascinating stories out there using the power of audio. Love it. Thank you, Dave, so much for joining us today and for sharing a part of your story. I'm so glad that you had those early experiences of scrapbooking with your family because it's <laughs> led into the incredible work you do and just the great person that you are today. And I really encourage people to contact you, to connect with you for coaching or even just questions that they may have because I know myself you've been very generous in offering support and answering questions I've had along the way. And how would people find you if they want to connect further and check out what you're doing? Well, thepodcastguy.com is my home base uh, you can catch me on Twitter at the podcast guy and quite predictably on Facebook at facebook.com slash the podcast guy but I have to say just two very very quick things I'm actually writing a book about how to produce popular podcasts right now so if anybody's got any insight or wants suggestions as to how to start podcasting now's a great time to bend my ear the second thing is I'm the ambassador for the UK for the European Podcast Awards and if you listen to to, I know this is kind of niche because predominantly I presume you have a, an awful lot of US fantastic people listening to your show. But if you listen to a European show or you are in Europe and you create a European podcast, please do head over to the European Podcast Award website, european-podcast-award.eu. Nominate yourself and there's some fantastic prizes too. And obviously you might even be crowned European Podcaster of the Year. So please do Awesome. Love that you shared that. And uh, yes, we have a great deal of listeners in the UK and surrounding areas and certainly a great deal of listeners in Europe. So we hope that you will check out the podcast website and the podcast award website too. Thank you, Dave. It's been an absolute pleasure, Angela. Thanks so much for your time today. God bless.